detective? Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. Bumper episode today, Jared. We do we're going back to our slasher roots. 1981's Hell Night. But we've got what we've been watching. There's a little bit of news, you know. Our next step, next week's episode, Gibbo's back. Like, there's so much to talk about here. Mm-hmm. And a few things that you got to get off your chest. Well, yeah, I've got to get a couple of things, things off my chest. I'll probably kind of cop a little bit of shit today, I suggest, <laughs> as well. Well, part <laughs> of the course is, uh, there. Good, <laughs> a good start. But, okay, let's bust into what we've been watching. I watched Queen's Gambit. Finished it off. Mm-hmm. Really, really solid. Really enjoyed it. It's interesting that the chess games are kind of presented almost in a sports movie format. Yep. Throughout, which works really well for idiots like me, because I didn't know what sort of moves they were making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I've got to put it out there. I have never learned to play chess, so that part would be lost on me too. I'd, I'd, I'd require some really tight uh, directing and editing to have me invested in that one. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they do a really good job with that. Anya Taylor Joy is excellent in the role, and just overall it's one of those real sort of high-end Netflix products that they've ripped out a few times over the years, and, and, you know, you can see why it's really well regarded. I watched about six episodes of or seven episodes of Outer Banks, which I mentioned a couple of weeks back. Look, the mystery stuff's fine, you know, like this whole idea that they're chasing, looking for um, sunken treasure from an old ship. That stuff kind of works okay. And the, the young actors are really good, but it's just all this boilerplate kind of drama that I just, I just, I've got no time for that shit. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but it's just, I don't give a shit who's, who's interested in who or who's punching on with who. Like, I don't care about that. Just make it one of those ones where they're looking for a treasure and then some shady characters are after them. Yeah. Four episodes later, the series is over. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Why don't they need ten episodes of this stuff? Yeah, just a mini. Mini, That's all yeah, we mini need. series. Look, I'll I'll see it through. Okay. And I believe it's got a second series, series so I'll see that through too. <laughs> oh, by the way, now this is slightly off tangent because it's not normally our usual sort of discussion topic, but um, I sat through the first episode of Holy Moly. <laughs> <laughs> As did I. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no surprise. And no I'm not surprises. Gonna, I'm not going to pretend I didn't enjoy parts of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, if, for anyone who hasn't seen the shorts of this, it is basically mini golf mixed with wipeout. Mm-hmm. The brainchild of uh, one of Australia's greatest golfers, Jared. What have you recently named him? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, After he was seen down the beach with his dog. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Normus was... Uh, <laughs> was... Heavily involved. Uh, yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe they uh, they constructed the course on his dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's big yeah. enough. Yeah, look. No, uh, again, look, holy moly is what I exclaimed when I saw that picture of him down <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. Away, Greg. Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to carry the bag. Yeah, you're not supposed supposed to carry your golf clubs in your shorts, mate. (laughs) Or in his case, the whole fucking golf bag. 
Ah, ah, look, Norman or Normus wasn't involved. <laughs> Normus wasn't involved much in the pilot. No. If I'm not mistaken. We only saw him a couple of times. Um, yep. Which is probably fair enough because I believe when he stood up, all I heard was. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a fire hose unrolling. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, God. All right, then enough of that shit. <laughs> I'll be oh, look, I'll probably watch it a couple of times. I mean, I got a few laughs out of Rob Riggle yeah. and Shervo's form. I mean, yes. the whole thing's pretty lightweight, but, yeah. It's no surprise. Look, it's no surprise that Normus wasn't actually... <laughs> on the, on the, on the set, all, like his pieces seem to be seem to have been filmed well away from <laughs> yeah. any any involvement on actually turning up on on game night. But yeah, yeah how much was, you reckon Normus enormous pocketed for that? <laughs> well, obviously, obviously the rent for providing the <laughs> providing the the real estate the to course. build the course on. Um, look. I reckon they they would have offered him a couple of hundred grand and said, "Can you just film a couple of ten second clips for us and um and uh, let us say you built the course, you designed the course." <laughs> there's not much designing going on. It's just take a mini golf course and put wipeouts. No, about you, mate, but I cannot see Greg Norman designing a course that has rotating hot dogs on well, I mean, I the hot dog was, that happening. it was a giant hot dog, so it probably was Greg Norman's idea there, yeah, so, but no, it's, um, it's a bit of a laugh. Rob Regal got a few, few laughs out of, out of me. There was other parts where I was just thinking, oh, geez, this is, this is silly, but I laugh at that stuff. If someone, if someone attempts to, you know, if someone attempts to run through a, a, a thing of rotating big foam blade Setups and mistimes it and gets bloody cleaned up. I, I laugh. I can't help. Yeah, it. look, I laugh too. This is the last time we'll bring this up on the podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fear of right. our our, uh, our reputation. Yeah, we've got you know we do have a reputation to uphold of, of exactly. purveyors of fine taste and exactly. Okay, back to the good stuff. I watched a Spanish film called Below Zero on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it is a mixture of Con Air and Assault on Precinct 13. Yep. So it's basically a prisoner transport that gets hijacked by this bloke who wants one of the prisoners mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, and everyone's kind of, you know, unsure of what's going on and he kind of tries to smoke them out. So it's up to them to mix, to sort of bond with the, the guard left inside to try and find an escape from it. So. Right. Yeah, look, I really enjoyed it. Sounds interesting. Plus, it's dubbed in English, so. Oh, good. Excellent. I, w- I wouldn't That'll watch help. it otherwise. Cretans know. like you. Yeah, yeah. Idiots like me don't like to read while we're watching movies, so. No. I watched Wrong Turn from 2021. Mm-hmm. Look, for 45 minutes, she was going all right. It was kind of tense. I liked the atmosphere. You know, I, I, I sort of, it, it was along the lines of the original Wrong Turn. Yep. But then it kind of pivots at that mark and sort of explains what's going on and then it spends an, an hour piss farting around there and gets so boring and then it has about four endings. So Right. 
And look, I've got a story to tell. Firstly, four people left during <laughs> during the, the the film, and that's the first time I've seen that number of people get up and leave during a <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, and it wasn't that bad. I mean, I wasn't getting up, and I'll tell you why I wasn't getting up, Jared. Twenty four bucks a ticket. Jesus. So me and my wife went. So there's forty eight bucks plus three bucks the surcharge. Yeah, yeah. It's fifty one dollars. Yeah. We thought it was six ten. It was a six ten session. So we thought we'll eat. We'll eat there. Yeah, yeah. Couple of pizzas. Couple of pizzas for thirteen fifty a pop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're at a handy seventy eight bob. <laughs> and the pizzas, mind you, were fucking awful. Yeah, they're not great. They're not good. <laughs> and then five bucks for parking. So, so I was in the whole eighty-three dollars. Did you get the? Did you get the parking for free? No, because like the bloody ticket didn't have the right. It usually has a barcode on it. Yeah, no, you do it in the cinema now. Oh, fuck! <laughs> you put your license details on the little screen at the cinema, and it validates it. Oh yes, <laughs> we must have walked past it. Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, and what, it would have saved it. me five bucks. I was still seventy-eight in the hole. <laughs> you could have, you could have done with that five bucks after the. I could the, have the the previous stinging that you just caught. Oh. Yeah, mean, we'll my think ass about. Is still sore. <laughs> well, think about. I mean, if we go for a bloody family film, four of Shit. us. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like you do get you, <laughs> you do get hundreds. A, you get a bit of a discount on the. You can buy a family pack of tickets, which is. Is a fairly significant discount, but then my kids like to like to get the popcorn, so I indulge that and get a you know have a little bit myself as well. But that shit costs about like you get a you get a popcorn and I'll grab the coke. That's near twenty bucks for that as well. So yeah, it can get very hefty if we're buying chock tops and popcorn for everyone. I sat through. Wrong turn. Was thoroughly unimpressed Mm. and paid eighty for three dollars for the privilege. Excellent. Jesus. See, that's why you can't leave. Absolutely. I mean, I might as well strap myself in there. <laughs> it costs too much to leave. I can't leave that you know money what? on the table. You would have to. Oh, I would. I would rather be. You know, like that. That whole scene at a Clockwork Orange where he's got his eyes held open. <laughs> I would have copped that at eighty-three bucks, no matter what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. The last thing I watched, Jared, is I watched episodes two and three of Walker. I'm not going to call it <laughs> Texas Ranger because it's not called Walker, Texas Ranger, and possibly it shouldn't be. Look, it's uh, who, who's watching this? Who's it for? Well, you Apart are. From morons like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got no, it's, it's dramatically light, it's got no action. Yeah, well, I mean, what? <laughs> what is it? Well, that's the problem. If there's not a lot of action, I don't think it's no. going to last very long. But uh, <laughs> I believe the numbers are all right. It's they drawing. Are. It's drawing. And this is what I'm saying. Who's watching this? Who's it actually for? It's certainly not for Chuck Norris fans. Well, mate, I don't know. There's, there's, uh... what, so what? I need to watch this. Before I, you know, just, so I can develop an informed opinion. Maybe that's how they're you getting do. so many, so many views. People are people Is saying. Is Jared Padlecki a huge, I, I, a huge sort of stallion with the I ladies or something? I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, that obviously there's a bit of baked in um, viewership there <laughs> yeah, from Supernatural. supernatural so there's a little sprinkle of Supernatural on it. Yeah, but so you're telling me he he, he doesn't just I mean three in- to four times an episode he's not throwing down with somebody. No. Well, what are we doing I mean, there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking the question. <laughs> what are we doing? Because he hasn't thrown down with anyone in three to four episodes. <laughs> Not three to four times an episode. I'm telling you, it's slow build. Slow build. They're no, building no, no. and he's just going to unleash. The problem here is, is they're trying to go for character, right? Chuck Norris <laughs> said, you know what? Fuck yeah. character. I My foot in someone's <laughs> ass is going to get people watching it. <laughs> I can't understand why you would look to revive a Chuck <laughs> Norris property if character was what you were going for. Yeah. They're trying to sort of build him into this this flawed cat hero and everything. And look, I, don't get me wrong, I'm okay with that, in a sense that Walker's Texas and uh, Norris's Texas Texas Ranger was kind of like too good. But look, I'd he be was happy the with greatest that. Greatest at everything. I'd be happy with that, assuming the flaw involves that you can't help but insert your foot in date <laughs> when required. <laughs> like your yeah. character flaw is, you, I just a, cannot stop You've got a, a, an addiction to. St- Inserting <laughs> foot up ass yeah. anybody who crosses your path. Yeah, I think that's that's a character flaw that I'd be happy to watch someone work through. <laughs> it's PG rate too, I think. Mm. Well, certainly, the episode that I saw today, it came up with PG. And I'm like, you can't have this. Well, I thought the like, old what one. What are you was doing? Too. I thought the old yeah, one know, was PG. But it was a, a strident PG. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it, was a, it was certainly a robust PG. <laughs> <laughs> because Chuck Norris would kick the daylights out of ten blokes an episode. I mean, mm. there were more stunt men on that film than there were actors on those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I believe I believe they were so cheap that sometimes the stunt men were hired as actors too. <laughs> Or you hired a few pro wrestlers if you mm. could, you know, like any of that sort of stuff. Look, here's the problem, okay? I'm boiling it down to a nutshell. Apart from me asking the question is who the hell's watching this shit except me and soon to be you. Yeah. I'll take, a, I'll take a, another show that's on free-to-air television. So something like 911, okay? 911's mm-hmm. on free-to-air television. 911 is also fairly generic. You've seen all this stuff before. But every week you get an action scene with a bit of bit of go in it, you know. Yeah. There's some money in that. And the action scenes are, you know, there's a bit of adrenaline involved and it's a bit, it's exciting at times. This, that's what you're supposed to do here. Yeah. Three every four episode times an episode. should have a major set piece. Yeah. And if it involves Padlecki walking into a strip club and beating the daylights out of everybody, then that's fine. Of course. So be it. But they have done nothing like that at all. Mm. Again, what is it, a drama? Yeah, that's, this, is, this is interesting. <laughs> sure, like, surely so, that's where it's... So you're still surely, on board. So, oh, well, I'm going to check it out because I can't see how it works without a little bit of, you know punching on and whatnot, but I don't know. Surely that's what it's got to be building to. Someone's got to start running drugs in Walker's Town or something and, you know. Yeah, 
The thing is, he's a, he's a da- he's damaged goods, right? Mm. He's damaged. So why shouldn't his damage be that he's angry and and aggressive and he can't help himself and he smacks the shit out of everyone? Every criminal he runs into gets his ass kicked. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't that go hand in hand? I would think so. Or foot in ass, <laughs> as the case may be. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. I, look, Supposedly it it's got like Chuck it- Norris's blessing too. Yeah, of course it has. Chuck. Well, fuck, he's got cataracts, so he can't tell yeah. what he's doing. <laughs> well, look at the pictures that he was in. I don't think there was too many scripts coming across his desk that weren't getting his blessing at, at uh, some time or another. I do recall us talking about this and the possibility of it being extended, and you were adamant that it wouldn't get a second season, whereas I, I was fairly confident I called a second season. And yeah. not not three to four days later, <laughs> I, I read that Walker's got an early renewal. <laughs> so someone's pretty confident in what's happening. Well, I asked you this. Have they watched it? <laughs> because if they have, they need to get some money into it or something. They need to get some people into it who know how to blow. Craig Baxley is probably sitting in an old people's <laughs> home just itching to blow something up. Yeah. Uh, he's blowing up bloody, you, you know, board games and um, <laughs> little things like that that are hanging around the nursing home. But, no, I think it's got to be building to something like that. It has to be. Otherwise, I don't know why you go for it. Because if you're looking to catch Walker's core audience, that's all they were, were in for, weren't they? Yeah, well. I don't know. You weren't see, there for the acting and the, uh, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, the, I mean, Chuck, Chuck was not a noted actor. But he knew his lane. Mm. You know, Norris understood that people don't want to see me emote. They want to see me beat the crap out of people. Yeah. And Norris understood you have to deliver that. And surprisingly, the show was on air for 10 years. Yeah. I don't know how. Because of that. Yep. Now, I am prepared to go back and watch because it's also on Stan. Yeah, I know. I'm prepared to go back and watch a bit of that to see. And perhaps pass some notes on to the current, <laughs> <laughs> the current, the current for for season for season two that you'll also be involved in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant, but that was. I think that was. Well, I think that was just, got a second season. <laughs> I, I think that was wishful thinking for you that that it wouldn't have a second season because you were <laughs> secretly loving it so much that you knew you would be watching it, and you you, you felt guilty and you felt kind of wrong yeah. about that. <laughs> You know what? I will state this. That, that that show has not been renewed because of its quality. <laughs> I can guarantee it. it's renewed strictly because there's X number of people watching it. It's been High successful. Um, it, nobody cares about the quality of it. Yeah. You know? Look, they've got high hopes. Yeah. But that was me. That was all I had. Okay. All right. So I... Uh... <clears throat> I've been on a couple of uh, TV shows, so I've watched um, first five episodes of The Stand, which has been a little bit up and down. Like it started off pretty well, and they chose a, a format to tell the story that involved, you know, a few flashbacks and things like that. First episode, it works pretty well, but then episodes two and three, it, it kind of fumbles with that, and it becomes a real problem. But then yeah. 
episode four was a real gem again. It was a really good episode. Five again was okay, probably not quite as good, but so far I'm quite enjoying it. And of course, it's got Stephen King's blessing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what that's, always a, that's always a positive. I'm sticking with it. I think if you're a, if you're a King fan, you'd certainly be happy with points of it. The big issue for me at the moment is I feel like Amber Heard wasn't the casting choice to go for for that role. And also, to give her uh, some credit, I don't think they really developed that character very well at all. And obviously, she becomes pretty important. So it's, I don't know, I feel they fumbled it with that. But um, on the flip side. Just a quick sidebar on that. Do you think being known in the tabloids as Amber Turd might have hurt? (laughs) Look, that situation is just a real (laughs) shit fest, isn't it? I mean, nobody came out. Nobody came out of that. Looking good. <laughs> no, no, they did not. I think no, her, they did her not. and Johnny should have met up in a in a room and just said, "Let's just let's just cut a deal. We don't need to take this any further." Yeah, yeah. Nobody <laughs> needs. As soon as they read some depositions, they should have said, "Right, yeah, no more of this shit." <laughs> no, nobody Sorry, came that out. Was just off, off, off. Pardon cap. the pun, but nobody came out smelling smelling of roses <laughs> <laughs> after that one. But yeah, I think. Uh, Look, her reputation certainly hasn't helped, but I, I was happy enough to just go in and take it for what yeah. it was. But I've just, I, I, I don't think she's ever really been someone I've looked at as a as a really good actor. But again, the character doesn't doesn't get much of an arc early on. Obviously, if you know the stand, not trying to go into sort of too deep a spoiler territory. But, you know, there's there's certain sort of back and forth between which way to go, which decision to make, and her character just doesn't seem to have any of that, which, which is a bit of an issue. But yeah. on the flip side, some of the other ones are really good. The bloke that plays Harold Lauder, Owen Teague, who was uh, Hockstetter in, in the It movies, he's fantastic. He is really, really good. And then there's um, a young actress called Odessa Young, I think her name is. I haven't actually seen her in much, but I believe she's Australian. And she she's playing Franny, who spends a bit of time with Harold as well. And they're, they're both excellent. James Marston's pretty solid. Greg Kinnear's pretty solid. So overall, it's pretty good. The guy that plays Larry Underwood is very good too. Joe Barn, what's his name? Joe Barnadepo or something. Oh, I think that's his name. Um, he's he's v- really good as well. So look, I'm, I'm still in and I've still got high hopes. I'm still not entirely sold on um, Alex Skarsgård in Double Denim, but we'll see. We'll see where it ends up. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's must be a holdover from the book <laughs> in the eighties. Yes, correct. <laughs> I've I've also watched the five episodes that have dropped of Wandavision. Really good. The format actually works really well, and they've started to develop what's actually happening. Um, which is good, but the the, the sitcom episodes work really well early on, and then they start to sort of build what's happening in the story. And episode five just finished with a wrinkle that is extremely exciting. Bit of like mm. they've 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 thrown this twist in, which appears to be leading to something quite big. Again, don't want to say too much for for anyone that's watching that, but obviously, you know, you, you get the sense of what they're doing in terms of properties they're buying up and whatnot, and then, yeah, they, they, they throw this little twist at the end in, which is of episode five, which is, yeah, it was a bit of a holy shit sort of moment, Most. even though it had been it had been theorised and I'd read a little bit about it. It's, when it happened, it was still very kind of 
very full on. So yeah, cool. really, really happy with that. I also watched the Dracula that Netflix put on. I believe it was a BBC production or a yeah. co-production. It was okay, not great. Uh, there was a few interesting ideas about how to try to modernise parts of the story, but it's essentially a three-part miniseries. So it's sort of 90 minutes each each part, roughly. And my issue was that they kind of felt disconnected. They almost felt yeah. like separate movies. I don't know how much of the, the production there was together, but, you know, there's, there's some talent there. There's some good acting performances, a few things that might keep you interested if it's kind of Dracula or vampires or those sort of things are, are something that interests you. But, uh, okay. yeah, I, cu- I couldn't say it was as an absolute gem. I came across a flick called Dream Builders with the kids, uh, sort of like a think, think a Pixar movie if they didn't have the cash. I believe it was a Danish production. Right. <laughs> so some interesting ideas, but not great. It's worthwhile if you need to take your kids to, kids to something. Jump oh, is back. this at the cinema? Yeah, this is at the cinema. Uh, okay. And as as I said, there's not much. Eighty five dollars later. Eighty five dollars. Yeah, eighty five bucks <laughs> later. But you know what? That was a uh, cheapy. It was an early session. Twelve bucks. No, eleven bucks a ticket. So I was I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> okay. I would have preferred a better film, but that's okay. I did enjoy it enough. I got back onto the Joker. Watched that again. Look, still pretty much the same sort of feelings. Like the the performance aspect of it, outstanding. But I still had the same sort of issues with it that I felt it was it, it felt a little more sort of important than it was, and like it yeah. it thought it was a bit more important than it was, and saying these grand things that when really it was kind of a lot of it was very surface level, and the representations of certain things were a little bit off. But yeah, interesting enough to go back to. On the back of that, Amazon had um, put King of Comedy up, so I actually watched that as watched well. Watched that, yeah. And how was that? Very good, very good. That was the first time I'd watched it. De Niro is just outstanding. He's his this level of obliviousness, yet also fucking scary uh, in the sense that he's just got no idea that that what he's doing is not appropriate and the levels that he takes it to, like turning up at someone's house and just kind of chatting away like they're friends when you've just fucking busted into someone's house essentially. Like he's he's uh he's excellent. So I I quite enjoyed that. Is that another Scorsese? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, 19, what was 1982, I think. I checked out the new uh, Batman animated one, The Soul of the Dragon, which was interesting, really. They got this character called Richard Dragon, who previously was a, uh, a kind of a white saviour type, Iron Fist type, taking something from another culture and then chucking a white bloke in there. They actually <laughs> reinvented that character to essentially be Bruce Lee. Oh, that's cool. And so they they grabbed Michael Jai White to voice Bronze Tiger. He's he's played that on screen, which was kind of cool to have him back to voice it and sort of set it around that kind of seventies period, and made it sort of like this mystical mix with a sort of Bondy Bruce Lee type setup as well, um, right. and almost sidelined Batman, which was actually a pretty good idea. Feels like they they kind of just got Batman to to get some interest, and then threw out yeah. this story that was was a little bit. He was involved, but not not leading the leading the thing. So that was pretty cool to see. I then ran into uh, well, I fucking dived head first into the Leprechaun series, Adam, which I haven't had a chat to you about. Oh, God. So I uh, I started with the original again, which was look, it's amusing enough in its own right, but there's some really bad things about it. I mean, like. I don't necessarily think the idea of the leprechaun in itself 
couldn't couldn't uh, be used to develop a couple of scary scenes. But the way mm. they directed it, they had fucking no chance of getting any scares out of it. Like there's scenes where someone's in a room and then Warwick Davis will just kind of leap out from behind a chair or something, but it's just a shot with both actors in it, sort of a medium <laughs> to long shot. And so you all you get is is somebody looking at this small statured person who seems to have a fairly pronounced limp, and it just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks any scare out of it. So I don't know. I think you know. I think the approach that they went trying to get a little bit of comedy in with the scares is actually not such a bad thing for what the property was. But yeah, they really butchered some of some of that stuff. So on the back of that, instead of instead of going through the series. Um, obviously, the last Leprechaun, Leprechaun Returns, was a bit of a Halloween two eighteen approach, just just being a direct mm. continuation from the first one. So I watched that, and I was actually pretty pleased with it. Really? Um, I enjoyed it. I think some of those problems that I just mentioned are actually done much better. I think it's directed much better. So you do actually get a couple of gory sequences and and some some kills where you do get a little bit of a buzz. Obviously, we've spoken about it's pretty difficult to get necessarily scares out of out of people that, that watch a lot of these movies. But there is yeah. a bit of a, a, a bit of a bit there where I say, you know, that was done really well and that was what I would consider a scary scene, even if I wasn't jumping out of my seat. And a, a little bit of humor there. So yeah, I reckon check that one out to be honest. Alright. And then, did you say they were on Amazon Prime? Yeah, Amazon Prime put a few of them on there. Leprechaun Returns I did have to pay for. I had to I'd already sort of committed. I'd seen it on there, but then when I looked at it, it said you can rent this, and I thought, you sneaky bastards! You've you've put it in the list of stuff that I'm looking through on Prime, and yeah. haven't necessarily tagged it until I've ju- until I've sort of jumped in and and saw it there. But um, they'd already got me, so I fucking I paid up, you and, paid up, and checked it out. Uh, but yeah, I was I was like I said, happy enough with that. The opposite could be said out of Leprechaun Origins. I watched Leprechaun <laughs> Origins, which one. thankfully I didn't have to pay for. Is that the one that you showed? Said has a um, wrestler in the yeah. leprechaun role. Hornswoggle. Um, <laughs> yes. Look, it was a hornswoggle. <laughs> Jesus. Well, it was a natural fit. I mean, he played a bloke that Irish, I believe, and was running around with with shamrocks on his clothes and things like that. Oh, but yeah, this is just. It was a fucking disaster in a lot of ways. Like, they completely changed the leprechaun. They went with this, I mean, there's a little bit of bloody wrong turnish elements there. There's there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, it's so derivative. You can see a whole bunch of movies in there, so I won't go ahead and list them all off, but I think they've made a real mistake with the the leprechaun. Again, I don't want to go too deep in if people want to watch it, but there's fucking... <laughs> That they seem to give the leprechaun like predator vision for some reason, but it looks <laughs> fucking awful. And it's instead of like the heat vision, the the things that it sees show up in gold. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's awful. What are you watching? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Jesus. But uh, yeah, I sat I sat it through, so you know. Take it or leave it. I would say leave it. And the last one I checked out, I uh, I jumped on the Craft Legacy. It sort of takes some of those ideas and what the Craft kind of ended up sort of standing for, and takes them. It really sort of ramps it up. 
tries to put its kind of messages out there about being an outsider and, and whatnot. And there's a couple of there's a really interesting thing that they do with one of the one of the characters. They they you know, if you've seen the original, think what they do to Skeet Ulrich, but not the same sort of not the same thing. They take a different approach with that and it actually develops a really nice relationship between the lead and one of the other characters. But unfortunately it takes forever. There's about an hour of the movie where you're constantly sitting there saying to yourself, So what What's what's the drama? What's actually happening? Where's what's the conflict? And there's just none. So it, it sort of develops that towards the end, but it's a little bit too late. So if you like the first one, definitely have a look at it. I didn't mind it. I quite enjoyed it for what it was, but it certainly uh, certainly had a bit of room for improvement. Yeah, hey, that's a Blumhouse, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can kind of see why they might be interested in it. Yeah. In a it fit, look, it fit them perfectly. Number one, it's a property that they can, you know, they can punch out more sequels. That they obviously like to do that, Blumhouse, and they like to get their their hands on properties that are known. And they are, you know, they are developing a little bit of a reputation for trying to put those kind of horror movies that have something a bit more to say out there. If, if you if you like what you see from Blumhouse, if you like the craft, then I would definitely say check it out. You, you probably won't be severely disappointed. But it, it probably won't meet the expectations that that you have. So, yeah. Okay. Might have to have a look at it. Yeah, it's worthwhile. And that, is that everything? That's it. All right. Let's take a break. And here's the trailer for 1981's Hell Night. Pray for day. Hell Night. Linda Blair in Hell Night from Compass International, rated R. Hell Night from 1981, directed by Tom DeSimone, who directed Angel 3, the final chapter. I believe he was also the brother of um, the guy in front of the 13th Part 5 who parks out the front of the diner and starts going, Lana! Yeah. I believe that's yes, his brother. He, he directed him. He directed a movie with Danny Steinman, didn't he? Yeah, or he was at least involved with a Steinman. I think he directed a, a film Steinemann. called. Uh, film? I believe there's a there's a movie that uh, on IMDb. I think it's called Savage Streets. It's got Linda Blair as oh, well. Yeah. And I think if you look at the directors, it's it's uh, Danny Steinman and Tom DeSimone. Right. <laughs> um, so there you go. It's produced by Irwin Yablins, who produced Halloween. Bruce Cohen Curtis, who produced Dreamscape, and Mark L. Rosen, who produced Spice World. It's written by Randy Feldman, who wrote a couple of our favourites, Tango and Cash and Metro. (laughs) Oh, yes. It stars Linda Blair as Marty, Vincent Van Patten as Seth, Peter Barton as Jeff, and Suki Goodwin as Denise. The budget was $1.4 million. And the box office was two point three million. Now Vincent Van Patten claims that Kevin Costner worked on the film as a grip. I did hear, and that Frank Darabont is credited as a production assistant. Yep, Costner as a grip. Maybe they could have got him in to do some acting. Wouldn't have. Yeah, hurt. that's correct. It wouldn't have hurt. 
Okay, what's your take, mate, on Hell Knight? Overall, it's not a bad little entry into the into the slasher sort of uh, canon, I suppose. I would put it close to something like Terror Train in that it doesn't necessarily bring a hell of a lot new to the table, but it crafts a couple of decent moments, though the killer is... Uh, the, the concept of the killer is very derivative. The whole concept in general is very derivative. It's actually not a bad little way to set up the, the teenagers being separated and whatnot. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of sequences that work quite well. I think a couple of the, uh, the instances where somebody stumbles upon the killer or, or a scare of that nature, they work out pretty well. Mm. Big issue for me is I feel like it's, it's too slow. They do actually try more than most to craft a little bit of a little bit of dread and a little bit of scare. They take their time, but there's a number of examples that I could point out where they take too much time. Mm. And you could easily have chopped ten to fifteen out of the movie comfortably without really changing the movie at all. That was the biggest drawback for me: is that they there are some moments that end with a payoff, but the length of time they took to build up to that. You could have chopped a handful of minutes out of each of those and still ended with that same impact on the payoff. And I think it would have just been, you know, a little little breezier viewing. But yeah, I was going back and forth between a two and a half and a three. I'll be generous and, and give it a three. Give it a three. Yeah, look, yeah. I would agree. I think it's probably one of the better slashes of that era. It's actually directed with a bit of style. It's got some atmosphere. It's kind of creepy in parts. They actually go for a little bit of character development, which at times works out quite nicely. And they go for suspense as opposed to sort of tons of gore. So it's more in the Halloween mould in that regard. Mm. The the downside for me, yes, I would agree. I think there's there's a number of really nice, creepy moments that just needed to be trimmed. And they would have been yep. even better. There's a bit of poor acting. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Hey, Costner, <laughs> come on over here and <laughs> run some lines for maybe us. Tom, maybe Tom Decent-Moe could have got his brother in Lana! there too, Wag- wagging his tongue and <laughs> yeah, carrying on like an arsehole. That would have worked stuff. out pretty well. <laughs> and the killer, when shot in darkness and stuff, they do some really nice things with the killer in mm. silhouette and stuff like that. But then when you yep. actually see him, <laughs> he looks bloody ridiculous. <laughs> well, I saw, you know, getting towards the end, I felt it looked like a Scooby-Doo yeah. villain. Yeah, like he was going to pull his mask off. And <laughs> yeah. 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 So those are some, some, some sort of just parts that didn't sort of gel for me. But it doesn't take away mm-hmm. from it's kind of a well-made slasher film at the height of the slasher yeah. boom, and it's kind of sad a little bit that a film like this couldn't make any money, you know, because this is yeah, equally well, as good, if not better, than a hell of a lot of the others. But not only that, that, like, you've got films, I don't want to kick it again, but something like Mad Men probably has more of a... Like you see it on more lists of things you should check out than 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 Hell Knight. And watching this, it's a far better movie than Mad Men. Yeah, exactly. So it's it it doesn't have that 
underrated kind of gem reputation when when people kind of put those lists together. I mean, I have seen it mentioned a few times, and it, it, I'm not saying there's not a fondness for it. There definitely is. It's had its sort of Scream Factory release and all that sort of business. But, yeah, it's certainly one of the better ones I've, I've come across. I think that if you looked at it, the reason why it's not held in such regard, I think, is probably because it lacks those sleazy kind of slasher movie elements that something like Madman has. A little bit. Which is that a sort of, bit, yeah. well, in Madman's case, shit filmmaking. But, <laughs> you know, like the gore and the, and the stupidity of something like Madman yeah. that kind of transcends. Yep. People are watching Madman, they're laughing, and they're, you know, they're having a good time with it. Whereas this is fairly straight, which mm. is probably the reason why it gets overlooked. And the same with Terror Train. Strangely enough, you know, Terror Train's probably a pretty good comparison. They're both very straight yeah. slasher films. Um, that don't do away with a lot of the sort of the excess sort of crap that's mm-hmm. in there. But overall, I mean, I actually ended up, because I gave Slumber Party Massacre three, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. that was for laughs a fair bit. <laughs> but I, I, I'm going to have to give this one three and a half, three and a half. Because I think right. this is very well made. Uh, under the circumstances yeah. of a $1.4 million budget in such a, Interestingly difficult location. Mm. I think they they wring a fair bit out of it. So yeah, yeah they do. I'd go three and sure. a half. Tom DeSimone, look at you, killing it. Genius. <laughs> I better hire Savage Streets. I think it might be on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. Or is it on? It might uh, be on Tubi. It's, uh, look, it's on YouTube. I checked. <laughs> you checked. All right. <laughs> Starting off with the likes. It has really, really good atmosphere for a movie made on a shoestring. The yep. gothic mansion, the fancy dress party, the candles, the, you know, the cobwebs, the gargoyles, you know, all that shit sort of builds a, gives it a a look and a, a feel that, you know, you usually didn't get in slasher films. It's almost got gothic overtones. Yeah, well, it's... Uh... I think the exterior and the interior were two different locations, but they were both very suitable. Yeah, they both looked really good. I did. I did mention Scooby Doo. They do. They do actually evoke a little bit of like that ghost story kind of. Obviously, with the story that is is told about what's going on, what they're trying to scare with, that all mm. fits. But yeah, I think you're right. They did a really good job to actually make sure the film looked like that. What they were going yeah, for, yeah, production design, and they even and do that. it. Um, yeah, they even do it when we're when they're going for the scares and things like that. They do away with the gore in favour of that shadow and and more of that kind of tone that you were sort of mentioning yeah. that that does fit with that. They kind of blend this slasher with the the ghost story visuals. And Desimone does a pretty decent directing job. He crafts a couple of really nice suspenseful sequences. There are a couple of specific moments that are, I thought, absolutely outstanding. One in particular where it's later on in my likes, but where we sort of see find out how the killer's been getting around. It's a really, mm. really nice sequence. And so he does a really good job to yep. craft that. And I actually read something in one of these books I've got here. He actually had a... Um, a script where he'd written all of his like 
shot notes and everything on it, and then it was stolen. Yeah. And so he basically had to kind of cook this shit up again in his head and do it. So, again, under the circumstances, the guy has done a, a, an outstanding job. I mean, you know, I'll take his his work over Sean Cunningham any day of the week. Yeah, look. And that's not disrespectful yeah, probably- of Cunningham. It's just that Simone seems to be more... He has a style and a, and a and a a look that he's going for, and he he really executes it. Hmm. I I believe he brought that later on in his career to things like Pensacola Wings of Gold. Oh, did so he? Obviously, now. Uh, you weren't the only one that saw the talent there, mate. <laughs> um, but no, I think he's. I think you're right. He does. Uh, again, we'll talk a little bit about the negatives to that later on. But he does actually try to take the time to craft a bit more than just jump scare and that sort of thing. I believe I know the sequence you're talking about, which definitely uh, showed up in my life. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really solid sequence. And it shows there's Mm. a bit of passion and a bit of effort in the project. It's not just a run-of-the-mill, whip this out. It looks like they've tried to get the best people they could um, to make a a very, you know, a a quality product, and they've kind of succeeded. Just offhand, do do you think he directed a few episodes of 18 Wheels of Justice as well? Can we check that? (laughs) Can we see if he He might have shown up on that? Maybe some renegades. Who knows? Who knows? Let's do some. We'll do some. (laughs) While we're talking, I'll do a bit of research. Yeah, I actually think another like here is. The premise of the kind of university hazing sort of thing, again, it's it's something that's been done in other slashes as well, but I dug the setup of this one that, you know, they're, they're, they're taking them sort of off campus into this house. The house has basically been set up like a fun house, but it's also, it's ripe for Blumhouse remake territory. The whole university hazing stuff is still sort of... Topical, and they don't necessarily tackle that here. But I'm looking at it, and I'm saying this would be a good one to to do again, and see what we could see what we could uh, do here. But I, I like that setup, the way that they kind of locked the four of them in the house, and basically said the only way to get out's the gun, which they then use for a bit of a uh, bit of shock value later on. I think it's a it's a neat setup. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's a really um, solid opening sort of premise to the to the, the picture and as you said, getting people into this house and then splitting them up. And it works. And I actually think some of that stuff where the president sort of gives us it's a succinct way of him walking them onto the, the mansion with everyone else and explaining what went on as part of the whole yeah. hazing thing is a really nice yes. way of getting it out there. It is. The story itself, comically overboard. Yes. But but the 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 way that it is delivered is, uh, as you said, it's you know we start at the party and then we're taking everyone through this traditional sort of walk to the to the house, basically. So that yeah, that worked really well. I felt agreed. Look, um, just a quick sidebar with regards to Tom DeSimone. He looks like he dabbled in a little bit of pornography uh, in his earlier films. Uh, Gay Guide to Hollywood, right. Wet Shorts. Uh, by Coastal, <laughs> by by Love, under the awesomely named Lancer Brooks. <laughs> Excellent. And then he. It's said funny it, that uh, funny that you say that there wasn't. You know, this was miss, missing some of the smuttier elements that <laughs> yeah. some of the other. Well, he was tired. The of other that slashes shit. have. <laughs> he was tired of putting that shit on He's, screen. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I've done enough He did knock out uh, four episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, six episodes of Super Force, some Dark Justice, uh, Acapulco Bay. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he's... Varied, uh, varied career. He finished directing in 2002, according to this. So, Hmm. look, you know, I don't think I'll be looking into the rest of his filmography. (laughs) Other than Savage Streets. Savage Streets, which, let me guess, is just coated in smut, considering yeah, him probably. and uh, Danny Steinman are involved. Didn't Steinman direct that one under a under a pseudonym? Danny Stone. He directing under Danny Stone or something like that? <laughs> Danny, Stone Danny Stone and Lance Stone Brooks. Danny Stone or Danny Bone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Very good. All right, back to this. Back to, back to the best of Tom DeSimone. One of my bigger likes was that immediately two of the four people in the house are looking for a roof. <laughs> like almost almost as soon as the doors close, the, the girl starts, you know, bringing out all the stimulants and then um, <laughs> off they go. But then straight away, I mean, she's standing there in a lingerie, you know, fluffing up the bed, and then turns around and says, oh, is that all you're interested in? And then looks, starts looking to have a conversation. I'm like, well. In the moment, yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were playing at this, this game. At this point, <laughs> at this point, yes, that is what we're interested in. Yeah. We've kind of worked you up, did. we're stripped off, we're fluffing pillows. Like, Isn't that where we're headed here? Well, you didn't even give me a choice. <laughs> yeah, right. You kind of laid your cards on the table. I just assumed yeah. I shouldn't have. <laughs> Yeah, possibly. And see, that's right. That whole thing again, it doesn't go into any of that. Like you expect a bit of bit of sex, but it doesn't. It doesn't really no. approach any of that. Which again, I was kind of no. okay with because I think they actually spent a bit of time trying to get us to know the characters. Maybe not successfully mm. um, across the board. But I kind of like the fact that you have they have that conversation, you know, Seth and uh, the British girl. They have a conversation where you kind of get a little bit of information about them. Then we cut downstairs and Peter Barton and Linda Blair also have a bit yep. of a chat and you know, kind of get that whole thing about her dad being a mechanic and all that and she's actually more than just a, a smart university student. She's got, you know, she can do this, that and the other. I kind of yep. like that. It wasn't 100% yes. successful, but it was an attempt in a a movie that wouldn't normally go for this. I mean, if it was a Friday yeah. the 13th, we wouldn't even know who these people were. No, that's right. But look, if Danny Danny Stone had a oh, – sorry, Danny Bone had a stuck on, <laughs> snuck on set and directed a couple of scenes, I'd suggest you wouldn't have been too upset with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, maybe he did second unit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was shooting. If he had him, uh, yeah. Desimone kept coming in and finding have... him, putting actors together in sexual positions. He's like, no, 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 that's not what we're going for, Daddy. Oh, aren't we? Yeah, I reckon if he had a, if he had a showed up, it would have been a very different film. Yeah, <laughs> well, it would have been Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, a new beginning. That's right. So, actually, spend a bit of time, which I think is it's kind of. I, I kind of like the fact that they tried to do it. 
Even though it's yeah. it's not great stuff, but we do know well, these like you characters. Said, it doesn't end off completely successful, but the point where they are talking, I like that she's a little bit giving you a little bit of unexpected kind of back and forth when they're like when they're having a chat in the bed bedroom yeah. to start with. I thought that was heading in the right direction. Agreed. Um, I I actually really like that sequence where the girl who's outside, her name's May, I think, mm-hmm. after she wanders off after being called a twat, <laughs> which I sort of kind of, I did a slight sort of double take because I was like, when was the last time I heard that on film? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. So, And then they also, I believe they also start making um, slimy comments about, oh, we should have left her behind. The other bloke says, well... No, no, I like her behind. We'd leave the rest of them. Uh, that was like uncredited that. and rewrites by Danny Mate. Bone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danny Bone snuck on and said, hey, i got a good line. How about you say this? Um, but no, that And her that getting dragged down, down into, the ba- into the underground portion and having her head cut off, I thought that looked kind of cool and I like that they, they wisely cut away just as the axe sort of hits because I think the special effects were not what I would call, you know, Tom Savini wasn't on set, I don't think. No, it was actually a bit of a shock because you knew, like you were totally expecting that to happen, but the fact that it came from under the ground, like the foot came from under the ground, when it first happened, you thought, oh, shit, they're playing another prank, and then they're not. And as you said, the the cuts are really quick in the kill, but it's pretty Frenetic, it's fairly intense yeah. as a result. It's effective to do it like that instead of showing yeah, her totally. body sort of fall away and her head's there. You know, I think you'll find it probably wouldn't have been very com- uh, convincing. So they mm. do it quickly and it, it, it works in that, that respect. Definitely. Not long after that, speaking of effects, I actually thought the apparition, the, the kind of ghostly thing that they were using is walking towards Linda Linda Blair again for a small budget that looked pretty good yeah yeah I think that was and I kind of dug on that whole kind of we're trying to scare them vibe where they have like yeah. the, the and, and you know the good thing is that the people inside work out yeah it's all just bullshit this is how they're doing it yeah and uh, and they're trying to play with you know they're trying to play with you too mm. like the audience of is it a scare or is it not, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it all works out pretty well. Now, you mentioned lengthy suspense sequences, and look, it's a double-edged sword. It's kind of in both my dislikes mm-hmm. and my likes, but they get a couple of really nice, tense kind of stalking scenes there in the midsection where, you know, Scott gets his neck broken on the roof. Again, I can't remember. the Denise, I think it is, the British girl. She walks mm-hmm. around the house for a little bit with a candle and, you know, yeah. there's sounds and there's, you know, she's coming up and looking around and you're seeing all the cobwebs and everything and darkness and shadow and stuff. And then the president going up onto the roof and finding Scott's corpse. But they're quite nicely done because, again, the emphasis is on suspense and atmosphere as opposed to quickly having them dispatched. Yeah, they are. Like you said, it's a double-edged sword because it works fairly well at points, but it it also kind of is to its detriment at at, at others. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
I mean, I feel like it's a, it's 140. Sorry, it's a, it was an hour and 40. Yeah. You could have comfortably made this film an hour 20, an hour 25, and, and had a pretty similar result. You still would have had those sequences because there's not a hell of a lot going on around that. Yes. It's like they stretch out the premise so much and it works, but then they just keep keep doing it. Yeah, agreed. Now, one of my personal favourite shots, sequences, is where Denise is laying in bed and Seth's pissed off to do something. Yeah, yep. And we get Take a slash. POV, POV from the closet, or what looks to be the closet, and yes. then it comes out and comes up to her and looks down on it, and then we cut to a shot from side on, and he's standing there in the in kind of like in shadow, the the killer. He's kind of standing yep. over her, and it's really yeah. effective. Like, you can't see his face. You can just kind of make out a bit of profile and slightly that his clothes are a bit kind of ratty and that. But yeah. it doesn't quite give away exactly how he looks, and it just it was really creepy shit because it was kind of like that whole idea of she is laying there unaware that someone is standing directly over her. Yeah, definitely one of my favourite sequences, and like you said, it's just a scary idea. Yeah. It's just a scary thought to put out there, and it's, yeah, it, the fact that it's well-directed as well. Certainly helps. Certainly one of and the best sequences And then him finding her there. head in the bed. Yeah. Nice touch. It was. It was a very nice touch. Yeah. It's just, it adds that kind of, because they've gone away from the gore, when you get that, you actually get a little bit of a shock. Because mm-hmm. there's a head there and it's cut off and there's blood around it and all that sort of stuff and it's a, it's a reasonably effective effect. Yeah, definitely. By the same token, the one where Marty's laying on the bed and Jeff's kind of propped up against the bed and talking to her, it only lasts for, what, about 30 seconds. But again, it's it's taken its time. It's just that single shot. I think they're sort of zooming in a little bit as it happens, but the rug yes. in the background rising up. Fucking outstanding. Yeah. Just really good stuff. Really creepy shit. Because you're not focused on that. You're focused on yeah. the two actors. And then suddenly That's you right. go, oh shit. And this big yeah, it's a little bit out of coming focus up out behind them. And I also yeah. love the fact that they don't actually uncover him fully. He gets stabbed and he falls and then he's disappeared because he's fallen directly above the the hole that he yeah. came out of. Yep. So I kind of dug on that too. I thought that was really, really effective stuff. It was great stuff. I like the fact that Seth, when he eventually gets out, he actually arms himself. He finds the guns mm. in the police station. He takes them. You know, like yep. in 1981, characters were thick <laughs> in these movies. Like they were thick. Yeah, well... It happens a couple of times. Like, he makes some pretty good calls, but then it also sort of happens when um, Marty goes to get the gun. Yeah. Even though it's in a sort of precarious position that we might might be in a bit of danger and, of course, trying to heighten the scare there as well, the fact that she says, no, we're getting the gun is... Exactly. Again, pretty decent call, even though you, you could... Bring that one into question, saying it was a silly call because you knew the killer was still around, but you'd rather have it than not, probably, in that situation. the thing about it is the gun comes into play after that. Yeah. And is actually useful. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just a you get the gun and then you drop it or you 
you fire a few shots and you miss and all that type of stuff. She actually uses yeah. the gun purposefully and it ends up, not to spoil it, as it's one of my likes just, just down the track here, but it actually becomes a useful tool. Another good creepy sequence and sh- another really cool shot of the killer is where they find all the corpses in the, in the, in the tunnels. Yeah. And then you get a shot of the killer standing in the tunnel and he's backlit. Down the other yeah, end. And you can't yeah, see yeah. his face again. But and he starts running at them. Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, that really, one. really cool. And again, that creepy idea of seeing this person in a distance who's after you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was quite impressed with most of the work they did around that. Yeah. Oh no, that's right. The gun was used beforehand. The, 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 the idea that there are two killers, yep. I thought it worked. It was effective. Yeah, it definitely, definitely used for more shock value in this one than in some other examples yeah. that we've had. But, yeah, definitely worked because you thought, obviously, he'd been shot and then going into spoilers here, but we get the killer bouncing back up and getting shot again. Mm. So then when Seth comes inside and says, it's done, I've done it, and gets taken out almost immediately, work the trick. Yeah. And the fact that, because initially too, when he got grabbed, I thought that that killer was still alive. It was the guy outside. But then she comes running out and his corpse is there. Yeah, but not only that, I like how it's kind of off screen. Yeah. And then you hear the gun go off and then it comes sliding across the floor. It sets up another one of those sort of cliched, oh, she's going to try and go and get it and, and the killer might still be there. But once again, Tom DeSimone directs it with a little bit of patience and, and a little bit of style so that the sequence works works out yeah, pretty well. You know he's going to jump out there, but... Oh, fuck. If you're just expecting it. Because he takes again, his time. He's building it's, up it's, when, yeah, when, when's when's it's going to happen. happen you know? And my final like was the jump scare when he leaps on top of the car. When she's yeah. driving and it's being shot from the inside and suddenly his hand just goes bang into the front of the windscreen. I actually shit. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was quite creepy. My very last one was, and I'm not sure you'll feel the same about this one, but I actually really liked it when she drove into the gate that was bent up and the bloke was on the roof, the way that she kind of impaled him. Yeah, I, I liked <laughs> it. Was it was pretty nasty. I thought it was, that was yeah. cool. And, and I liked the fact that he there's no way for him to get out of that unless he pulls himself no, off. No, that's him. right. So there's no real last yeah. scare to be had there. Yeah. I just like that because it kind of finished it. It was, it was finite. You know, he was dead. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I did dig that. I actually think it was a really solid way to end it. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, as, as some of the examples we've seen, over the years, I thought that one was again probably on the on the positive side of the scale. Yeah, definitely higher end. All right, no more likes. No, that was it. Into the dislikes: acting, low rent, <laughs> Costner's you know, walking yeah. around being a grip, and you can't, you yeah. can't find a role. You for can't him. put him to work. <laughs> can't put him to work anyway. He could have been a douchebag, bloody frat boy. Yeah, Shit. Linda Blair is pretty flat. You know, you wouldn't. Yeah, have... I thought she was. 
initially I felt yes, she was a bit flat, but as it goes along, I actually thought she felt she fit the role a little bit more. Mm. So I don't know if I would put her in in the dislikes, but there, yeah, there was certainly a couple of performances that weren't probably probably weren't up to scratch. Look, Van Patten's pretty average. It's kind of pantomime sort of stuff. The Brit- are you are you tossing it? Are you, are you suggesting people should start putting resumes in at Dracula's again? <laughs> no, 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 no. These guys were probably a slight cut above Dracula's, but I mean they okay. were doing medieval reenactments, <laughs> <laughs> at least medieval reenactments. But oh, shit. he like he it felt sort of pantomime, sort of surfer guy, and it kind of felt at odds with the creepy tone. I know that they were trying mm. to get uh, he had he was supposed to be kind of like a little bit alternative and, and a bit of a joker, but it just didn't feel right. And maybe that's well, the right thing. Well, he wasn't going to be a surfer guy initially. No. But um, something happened along the way where um, they incorporated that from his personality into the, into the story, which possibly wasn't the right move. No, I just did. Look, he, he's not god-awful. But he's just, it doesn't seem right for what they were going for. Mm. And, you know, Kevin Costner, Kay Costner could have given you a really solid straight roll there. <laughs> of course. Button down. Kay Costner could have played anybody in this and <laughs> done pretty well with it. And the British girl who plays Denise is, <laughs> I don't like to say, pretty atrocious. Yeah. She's pretty bad. I think so. It says here on on the IMDb uh, trivia, of course, take it take it with a grain of salt, that uh, Seth was originally written as a southerner from Louisiana. Right. But um, once Van Patten was was cast, they rewrote. So it why did you cast him to bring in the surfer <laughs> surfer aspect? <laughs> I don't understand why you cast him. <laughs> well, that's you're right. looking why for you a guy southern. Yeah, <laughs> you're looking for a, a bloke from Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A southern know. gentleman, mate. Know. You don't need this bloke. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But, yeah, look, she was pretty bad. Most other performers don't get enough time to give you much. Yeah, well, they're pretty much the only four that are in there long enough to deliver something of a performance. Yeah. The music was a little bit heavy-handed for me. It it kind of felt felt it was on at inopportune times, and it kind of felt like a mix of Friday the 13th and Psycho. It was similar to the taking the time to draw out scenes. Mm. Occasionally, it worked out quite nicely and built through the scene, but then other times it was just at fucking, they turned it up to 11 and fucking left it there. <laughs> it just kept on going. You just, yeah, you needed to, needed to pull it back a bit. Exactly. It wasn't the worst I've ever heard, but it, it no. just didn't seem to fit in the right place at the right time. Sometimes they just put it on and it was kind of like, well, why is this on here? You know, you yeah. get this kind of creepy music and be like, they'd be they'd be in the middle of a scene where they were kind of talking. It's like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Yeah, just just pull it back. Uh, I was actually disappointed with the killer. Like there was nothing yeah. greatly <sighs> interesting about either killer. It kind of reminded me of. I mean, I guess the idea of two killers, and I think they were meant to be brothers. Is that correct? Yeah. The whole idea of the two of them still living there was fine, but 
So in comparison of a good, a better version for me was something like Just Before Dawn, where yeah. you had two brothers who yeah, were sort of good. backwoodsmen. Yeah. And they they brought enough menace to the table and all that stuff. I just didn't feel a yeah. menacing tone to these guys. And I actually felt that the killer was possibly under, well, the killers were probably underutilised, mm. almost used too sparingly in certain instances. It worked out great for particular scenes, like, as we said, the first one being short and sharp, but there was others where you felt like perhaps they could have used them just a little bit more. Obviously, there was an element of keeping them hidden there, but I reckon you still could have done it with showing a few more sequences like that one where you said about standing over the standing over the bed and and those sort of so those sort of things. Yeah, I felt we could have just got a just a little bit more of the the drip feed along the way. Yeah, and they kind of felt like something out of the hills have eyes. The reason why it works in the hills have eyes or it works in just before dawn is because it's in that environment where you would expect yeah. to see these type of guys, backwoods, uh-huh. kind of you know, desert dwellers who are out in, in the middle of nowhere. These guys are mm-hmm. in kind of like they're in a house, and although it's gothic and everything like that, they're kind of in the suburbs. Well, they're, in the, they're, they're, within, um, they're within a handy couple of minutes' drive from a fucking university campus. Well, yeah. I mean, quite frankly, and they, they could have, have run gone this- to a kegger. For all we knew. Yeah, they, they seem to have run this hell night a few times without uh, these two peanuts interfering. <laughs> so there's a couple of questions to ask about yeah. that. But, uh, you know, that's for another time. Agreed. Look, the film is over long. We it touched is. on it, but... I mean, we've already, we've already said it. There's, there's so many parts where the slow, steady pace works in its favour, but then there's other ones that are just too slow, like... And thinking about something like when um, Marty and Jeff come back into the house after Seth's gone over the gate. Yeah, yeah. They just, they're just they just wandering and wandering, and I get what you're going for, but it seems like there's, there's two minutes of that that didn't need to yeah, be Yeah, I there. reckon it could have been half. I mean, my recollections are when, he's, when Peter Barton's walking around after Seth leaves, it's about six minutes long. Like, it's way yeah, too long. That's man. right. It is way too long. There's also the sequence where Denise is walking around and then it goes to the president outside. Now, I, like you, I didn't mind that sequence at all, but there was probably a minute to two that could have been chopped out of that too. Yeah, easily. There was just – it just sort of consistently went a little bit too long and then certain sequences were just far too long. Yeah, and that kind of hurt some of what they were going for. Because there's building up um, uh, suspense and stuff, but then there's overdoing it, Mm -hmm. where as an audience member, you just sort of, fuck, get on with it, you know? Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of what happens in several of those sequences. Seth, this is my last dislike, but I found it quite jarring. Although he gets out of the house, and I I agree that that's an interesting wrinkle, especially in 1981 slashes, that, you know, he's not immediately Mm. killed on the grounds like you would have. In a lot of those, yeah, and he goes to the cops, but it 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 dilutes tension because, as they always say, you want to cut these people off. There is no help. Mm. Like you're not going for help. Yeah, but well, I did. I I didn't mind that he went to the the cop station. 
and they they basically turned him away. But I was I was wondering why uh, the the cops decided to leave all sorts of fucking guns laying on the table and ammo behind an unclosed door in the cop shop. Mate, yeah, campus police. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> just wander in, take what, take what, take you, what you like, jump out the window. Yeah. Oh, no, there's not a lot of drunken <laughs> frat boys around, are there? Yeah, they won't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, I get what you're saying, but uh, I felt perhaps they could have made it a bit more of a. Because while he was out doing that, they were taking their time wandering around the house for fucking 15 Could minutes. Could have tightened it. Um, yeah, it felt like there was no danger for them. It didn't feel like he was in a hurry. But also... Well, he needed to be in a hurry. Also, I feel you needed to nail the the fact that the cops were never going to believe you. So you needed to yeah. have it early on that they played a prank and the cops were called and they turned up and they were like, fuck, you know. You blokes, you're doing this yep. all the time. And then when he gets there, they take that as the example. We're not coming out because you've yes. already done this. But they don't do that. And so it, it's artificial that they wouldn't believe him. I mean, I know he's a frat boy and he probably stinks of grog, but, you know, he's saying people have died. I think if I'm a cop, I'm going, well, we better go and have a look. Yeah, that's right. And even though they have the line of, oh, you guys have been pranking us all night or something like that, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold any weight because you didn't show us that they'd been pranked and the cops had been caught out by these guys previously. Yeah. And you could have set that up in the first five minutes where they're doing that dollying shot through the party and everything. Yeah, yeah. They take plenty of time on yeah. that. So you probably could have done something. Exactly. Yeah. So that was disappointing because, to me, that then – breaks him away from the group to come back with a gun, which ends up being used. But it just felt a little bit like, you know, you're, t- you're diluting the tension because he can escape. Mm. And if they really put their minds to it, all three of them probably could have escaped. Yeah. So that was probably one of my major dislikes. I just felt that little, that little offshoot didn't really work. No, no, it probably uh, needed to be a bit, bit tighter. It would have been more appropriate if Seth found a gun on the premises. Possibly. Although I did like that the gun that they had was was blanks. Yes, yeah, that was that was cool. I thought that was a pretty pretty cool little uh, thing to add in. So there. they couldn't really get out. It was all for show. They were being yeah. played, and the fact yep. that the president was on site and he had the key. So it was all fairly organic mm. in a sense of yeah. getting out of there was do- was actually doable. It just, you had to put him in a bit of effort. Yeah. All that stuff worked, worked fairly well. And that was it for dislikes for me. What about you? Well, uh, we did talk about the, um, the sequence when they're walking in and getting the backstory. Mm. The backstory, I mean, holy shit. Talk about um, of the times and things like that. Yeah, we're talking about we're talking about a, a sequence of dialogue that contains Lillian Garth was a hopeless simpleton. Only thing she was good was <laughs> for was child rearing, and she wasn't very good at that. That's oh. a little bit. That's a little bit untidy. Same yeah. speech. We're talking about a mongoloid, a mongoloid boy named Morris who bought great sorrow, and then essentially they just continue to stack on until Raymond Garth. 
supposedly ends up killing his entire family because they've got disabilities. Like, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, talk about untidy. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, we, we sort of we got over that with Jason a little bit, but he was uh, that was only one one uh, child that was mentioned there. Here, we just kept on piling on the the poor fucking family. We had an entire family, and dad. Who were- dad was just seemingly. Um, it destroyed his life. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> We're talking about representing people in a in a decent light in a decent fashion. That's probably not I mean, not honestly, the best example. Even of it. in 1981, you might have struggled to. You might have received a little bit of flack for that. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, so. I now so. you wouldn't get that past anybody. No, that's right. It was pretty ordinary. Yeah, definitely. But even it was in terms not something I was massively enthused by. No. And like I said, it was sort of comically over the top that they were they were sort of going to these lengths to try and build up. Basically, there was a point where I thought the entire family was going to be in there. Yeah, well, that would have been interesting. Mm. But I mean, I got question marks. How do they eat? Like, what are they eating? Well, I mean, shit. There's probably a bit of you know, probably shooting a few rabbits on the property or something like that. Are they? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. You probably get something going on there. They kept the place neat and tidy, which was good. Look, <laughs> they were probably getting light and easy to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a just bit of it, leave it out in the front of the yeah, haunted mansion. Get a bit of Hello Fresh on the doorstep or something <laughs> like that. You'll be right. Yeah. Uh, look further to the killer. I, I also found a lot of the grunting and shit and the and the whole grabbing of people's faces. Every single time someone was killed, they kind of grabbed their face. Yeah. I, I, you probably could have done away with some of that. Yeah. Just to perhaps leave some mystery. Well, I think there was – I got the sense at one point that it was to oh, – it was to sort of frame that they were physically imposing. Yeah. But you're right. It, it happened almost every time. Yeah. You probably could have done that and then, then come up with something different the next time. The, having the idea of them being pranked could have actually sat well with if you didn't show the death sequences at all as another one of these kind of April Fool's Day style deals. Yeah. Did they do it? Are they being killed or not? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in 1981, the height of the slasher boom, you weren't going to go there, and we all know that April Fool's Day is, in my opinion, is criminally underrated. Mm. But that could have been a nice wrinkle. Yeah. And, in fact, a lot of the prank stuff is kind of very secondary. Yeah, it becomes that very quickly. So, would it? yeah, it would have been... uh... I actually had the same thought. There was a point where I thought they could have done that. They could have could have gone that that if angle. If you didn't show the killer's feet, or you know, so he's got no shoes on, you didn't hear him grunting. You could have kept a bit of mystery to it. Yeah, but I mean, look, no, certainly not the worst thing in the film. Like they didn't get to that because I think, as I said, it's pretty well handled. It is for the majority of the uh, majority of the piece. Hmm. Anything else? No, that was everything for me. All right, that is Hell Night. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. 
Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. We're on Letterboxd. We're also on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia. Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. And Instagram at thrillmepodcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever else you find us. Now, next episode, Gibbo is back. Mm. After a decent-sized hiatus, we are going to cover another one of his probably favourites here. Yeah. Rambo. Needs to watch the aftertaste out of uh, yeah, Last Blood. Yeah, he needs to. I mean, <laughs> we had the, the, the last two episodes he's done is Rambo Last Blood. He got some mouthwash with Armageddon, I think, yep. but not as much as he was hoping because I believe we all thought Armageddon was a five-star. <laughs> Yeah. Then upon reviewing it, it was not. It certainly wasn't, no. But Rambo from 2008, so it'll be a very interesting discussion because Gibbo's a big fan of the Rambo franchise. Yeah. And um, coming off Rambo Last Blood, he was fucking ropeable, if everyone remembers <laughs> that. So it'll be interesting to see his, to hear his thoughts on 2008's Rambo. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.